What's up, you beauties? Welcome to High and Wide Radio, episode 13. I'm joined, as always, by the one man, Jack Smith. If you're watching us live on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed and set an alert for future shows. And if you're listening as a podcast, please make sure you're listening and subscribed on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and get notifications for future episodes the minute we upload them. Um, all right, here we go. Flyers 2-0-1 on the road trip, uh, five points out of a possible six. Uh, I believe they're on a six-game point streak, 4-0-2 in their last six games. Jack, things are – well, let me ask you this. It's the title of the episode. Are the Flyers back? <laughs> back to what, 2012? <laughs> um, are they a team that you can watch every night now and you're like, the Flyers have a chance to win every game now? <laughs> For sure. Like, I expect them to beat Washington, and Washington's in their own right somehow uh, doing exactly the opposite of what they should be doing. So you just kind of kind of sit back and relax and just enjoy it. Although I really wasn't relaxing against Nashville. That was such a shitty way for that game to end. That was a good game. Battle back like that. Like for me, it's not even, yeah, they're back as in a, you can watch that in aspects, but they're just, they're different. They're like not what we're used to. Like that team would have gave up that first goal a couple of years ago and it would, they would have been done. They would have looking to get out of there. That was like a first period, very early goal. So like to see them like kind of hang in there, really control most of that game. Uh, and then come back and force overtime and get a point out of it. It's a tough finish, but it is your backup goalie and net against a good team. And they they look great. They, they look like they belong in pretty much every game I've seen them in. Um, and it's so until other until they prove otherwise, because now we're about a third through the season now. It's not 10 games. It's not a quarter. It's a third. So it's like, yeah, I mean, at what point do you got to give it to them? So, yeah, I don't see until proven otherwise. I don't see why not. They um are fun to watch, and they were they were kind of fun at points last year. You could kind of see them, you know, making the turn. Like you said, I think we're twenty six games in here. Let me go back and look at the standings. Uh, they're fifteen, ten and two. So that's what's that? Seventeen games. Seventeen game. I'm sorry, twenty seven games into the season. Yeah, I got my shit together here. Um. 27, yeah. So 33 points, 28 games, 15, 10, and 3. I'm sorry. 6, 6, and 1 at home, and 9, 4, and 2 away from home. They're to the point, I think, where we can – I'm not saying we can nitpick, right, because I, I still have no expectations personally. Like, I'm, in, I'm just going to enjoy this season. I'm going to enjoy every win. I'm going to enjoy, you know, watching uh, players develop, you know, watching how things kind of play out, who's going to be here, who's not going to be here. And we're going to touch on that again later in the episode. Um, you, you mentioned before the show, Danny Briere had some comments. Um, I'm going to enjoy this season, right? I'm going to look at it as they're setting themselves up for next year. And next year, and, and I think we've been kind of saying it all along, Year three is going to be the year where they really make that jump in the standings. And year four, we're going to expect it, you know. Year two for me is, you know, year one was tryouts. Who's going to be here? Where are we going? Who's not going to be here? And it, big changes were made. Kevin Hayes is gone. 
Ivan Provorov's gone. And speaking of Kevin Hayes, we're going to touch on Craig Berube later in the show, of course. Um, but big changes were made. I mean, they may have been somewhat subtle and maybe fans forget. I don't know. But uh, Sean Couturier is back in the lineup after having missed uh, almost two years. And we're going to touch on that in a little bit. But little, I mean, changes that I don't think, you know, fans are talking about enough were pretty significant. And, uh, you know, the, the team is making pretty significant strides this season. Uh, like we mentioned, they're a little bit over a quarter of the way in. Can they do it over the course of 82 games? Um, will the will, will management even allow it to happen with the trade deadline coming up? And, and maybe we could touch on that that uh, now a little bit, Jack, with uh, the comments that Briere made. And I want to mention that Tortorella made similar comments, which tells me that they're kind of on the same page still, which is you know a great thing after having gone through uh, a period with with Elaine Vigneault and Chuck Fletcher and you know whoever the hell else. You want to touch on the comments that that Briere made, even though the Flyers are winning. I thought these were pretty significant. I mean, I, I'm not gonna try to give you word for word, but sure. base, basically he reiterated that this team is in a rebuild. They are rebuilding and they will act that way at the deadline, which no matter how good they are, because there was talk about adding a power play quarterback to this team. Um, if they just stay pat, like they should do not move any future assets for anything this season, like they should not, and still continue to even cut from this team and add via the draft or prospects, that is still exactly what should be done, no matter how excited we get for this year. Unless you're getting somebody for free, like it, which doesn't typically happen, it does not make sense. I'm so happy that Briere reiterated that. They all seem to be on the same page, exactly know what they do, they, what they said they would do, regardless of what the team does on the ice. And we always say, team on the ice is not going to tank. They do not do that. We all get it. So as long as the guys running the show understand the assignment, then we're good. And that, that was just it made me feel better about where the franchise was because they should not be getting all gung ho and happy and abandoning everything, which we didn't think they would, but it's also nice to hear that they're not. And uh, as more trade rumors pro pop up, it's, uh, it's really interesting to see when they're going to pull the trigger. I thought that was pretty significant as well, right? Because as fans, we live off emotion, right? We're always in sort of in the moment. Like if the flyers win, you know, five in a row, all of a sudden rebuilds over fans are panicking, right? We're ready, ready to burn down uh, Twitter and whatnot. Everyone's having panic attacks. And I think it was good that the GM came out and said, well, you know, we have a plan and the plan is to be relevant and to contend for years and years. So we're not going to change our, you know, this plan that we came up with just because we have points in five out of six games, right? Which, you know, I think would be foolish. And, uh, you know, here's my thing, too. I'm not saying that Flyers fans have to trust everything that these people say or, you know, and this and that. Because, you know, we've had some pretty crappy GMs the last couple, the last decade or so. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think we have to give these guys a chance. Um, if we're getting anything from the from this new regime – it's that it seems like they're trying to be honest. They're trying to connect with fans, which is what we wanted, right? If you remember last year, like all we wanted was just honesty. Like we knew we were getting fed shit. Like we, we, we forget that stuff pretty quickly. 
You know, we would have these Chuck Fletcher press conferences, and we know that we were being lied to. We know that we were being fed crap, and we could, we could sniff that out. If Philly, if Philly fans are good at one thing, right, and we're not <laughs> – we're not the smartest bunch of guys or smartest fans out there, but we can smell bullshit when we're being, you know, when, when someone's talking, uh, you know, out of the side of their mouth or whatever. And um, I think we need to give these guys a shot. Keith Jones, Danny Briere. I mean, John Tortorella, you're not going to get a guy that's, that's more honest than torts. And maybe that rubs some people the wrong way. But from, from what I've seen so far, this regime is is going to be big on honesty and it's up front. Like, Hey, I mean, I would imagine they're even telling the players, Hey, you know, that we want to, we, we want to be winning games. We're improving. You know, this is still the plan though, which uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens come trade deadline and whatnot. Right. Um, I don't know. This is what we wanted, right? Jack, we, we wanted honesty. Oh, I mean, for sure. I mean, they wouldn't just lie. They would, like talk down to you before too. How many times is like Fletcher would get asked a question about like, are you rebuilding? Are you selling? Like, what are you doing? Exactly. Well, really going to drive this point home. Aren't you? Yeah, Chuck, we are. We want to know. And then they say one thing and do another. A lot of people got up in arms about the Delorier signing. And it's wasn't so much about the player. It was about what we were told about that off season and the trading for D'Angelo and using assets and then pulling back on that all of a sudden, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. So we and we know it doesn't. And then you're going to turn around and continuously lie to us and then talk down to us on top of that. So it was like, yeah, that, that's not going to fly. You're already making mistakes out the wazoo in every ass, every possible way, on ice, off the ice, in the management, you know, in the media. So just to do anything like that was it was just disrespectful. Um, so now they, they're really they're repairing a relationship with the with the fans. You could always rely on the Flyers from the inception of the team, essentially, until like two years ago. Like, yeah, we were upset with their play, but it got to a point where they were just being downright almost spitting on us with our how we felt about the team and their lack of winning. But everything's staying the same and they got a plan and all that crap, you know, so they got a lot of repairing to do. You can't they realize they can't always count on the team to blindly follow. We're going to wear bags if we have issues. You know, it's been done. It's been done. It uh, National Bag Day just passed, did it not, Jim? It did. Happy Bag Day, by the way. Happy belated, belated Bag Day. Yeah, and I only had like I only had one right before shit started to turn around. How about that? So yeah, they got a lot of they got a lot of um, making up to us. They and to their credit, it's been good. It's been good. I can't complain about anything too much right now. Uh, if you are, I think you're being really petty. Uh, but yeah, for the first third of the season, everything but a bad record has. Uh, is essentially going right for this team. I love that you mentioned bag day. I forgot about it. That's awesome. Their year voice. anniversary of bag day. We got yeah. a voice. They acknowledged us. They did. It's true. Um, let's get to a couple comments here. Dave and Jared, thanks for checking in, guys, as always. Uh, this is from a little bit earlier in the show. Dave comments here. A lot of parody in the league now, too. Any given night, you can compete and win. And that's so mm-hmm. true, right? Because – I mean, the, the Capitals are 14, 8, and 3, but I think we were all kind of unsure what they were going to be. Yeah, their their record's pretty good, but we feel like you can beat them tomorrow night, right, Jack? Well, here's the crazy thing about them doing what they're doing. Oveshkin's got five goals this year. Mm-hmm. You know, the power play is one of the worst in the league. Uh, Backstrom's out of there. Kucherov wants to get traded. How the hell do they have the record they have? Who's in goal? Lingren? 
Like, yeah. you know who it is? It's uh, it was the goalie for Colorado when they Darcy Kemper, I think his name is. He was there last year, but I I think he's still here this year. But isn't he often injured? I feel like they're. Let me see. Let me see. Whoever they check their save percentage. Ooh, they they got yeah. So yeah, it looks like they're splitting time actually. Kemper and Lindgren. It looks like Lindgren's playing a lot better than Kemper is actually. Like that's the kind of stuff at the beginning of the season when you lay things out. That's why they're going to be successful. You'd say no. Uh, Veshkin is chasing the record and freaking out. But no, everything that's happened with that team, as older they get, it makes no sense. I still expect the Flyers to win, obviously. But you want to talk about parody, though? How about mm-hmm. how about the Blues? <laughs> oh man! We make, so we give them Kevin Hayes essentially because they're trying to win. Um, we're in a playoff, solidly in a playoff spot, and they just fired their head coach. Also, not to mention Tory. Maybe you should have come to Philly. You could compete for a playoff spot, huh, bud? Yeah, Oops. that's parody right there. Hayes and uh, and uh, Tory Krug. So I just think that's funny. Yeah, I've, seen, so, I've seen a lot of people tweeting, oh, maybe it's a Kevin Hayes thing on Twitter. It just made me laugh. That's interesting because the GM made some pretty funny moves out there. And uh, I, I don't think Baruby was a huge fan of Kevin Hayes, and they ended up trading for him, and Baruby's the guy that gets fired. Pretty wild how, how that works. Um, so let's let's keep going with the parody a little bit because, you know, the, the Metro Division – Two years ago, or even last year, like it was a pretty scary looking division, right, Jack? And I'm looking at it now, and I got to tell you, not as scary as it used to be, especially with some of the talent the Flyers have on the roster. And I'm not sure. Well, I mean, if the Flyers finish, they make the playoffs, so be it. Um, but I, I'm not sure that the Flyers management maybe had that in their plans for the, the the metro division to be somewhat mediocre or average uh look i'll just read through the division real quick the rangers started out very well 19-7 and 1 islanders 13-7 and 7 uh they're really a game under 500 13 wins 14 losses capitals sure 25 games 14 wins 620 uh, point percentage that's pretty good the hurricanes though jack I'm not sure they're the same Hurricanes of years past. I think there's something going on there. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to pin it on Brendan Moore, but it almost, it, I mean, there's, it's a long season, but it almost feels like maybe Brendan Moore's whole message is, I don't want to say it's gotten old, but maybe it's, uh, it's hard to pump some of these guys up the way that he could before. Like they couldn't get over the hump, and maybe it's too late to turn that back around now. Uh, they sit at 15, 12, and one. They're seven and 10 on the road, which, you know, I mean, I guess 17 road games out of your first 28 could take a toll. But I don't, I'm not sure about the Hurricanes this year. Um, then we got the Devils, who, you know, battled some injuries early. Jack Hughes was hurt for a bit, and now Dougie Hamilton's out for an extended period of time. Their goaltending's not very good. Uh, Actually, I just read that they're uh, in talks again for your boy, uh, John Gibson from Anaheim. So they're they're already in desperation mode. Uh, the Penguins kind of look washed. You can never really count them out. Uh, but they sit seventh, and then obviously the Blue Jackets. It's it's not as the division is not as strong as it used to be. I guess is what I'm getting at here. And uh, at this point, you know, unless some of these teams rapidly improve. 
I don't think I would be surprised if the Flyers finished top four, top three. Oh, here's a comment from Oakham. I wonder. And we'll we'll get to some of that also with Barubi in a bit, but I don't know, Jack. Uh, there's there is parity, especially in the Metro Division. Yeah, it's it's uh it's things you just can't count on. That's why we get into what is a rebuild and things of that nature. You can control what you can control, but there's a lot out there you can't control. And this is this is this is proving it. You know, I mean it's just it is what it is. I love this comment here too from Jared. If the Flyers even had a passable power play, they'd be a top three team in the East. And and this is kind of the stuff where I said earlier, you know, if we wanted to nitpick a little bit, like you can kind of start to zero in on areas this team needs to improve on. Whereas maybe last year was this this team's a clusterfuck. You know, we need to see who's going to be here, see who's not. Year two, all of a sudden we can be like, all right, well, they have the five on five stuff figured out. They're a threat offensively on the PK. They're one of the better PK teams in the NHL right now. Let's try to get the power play going. I don't think they're going to fix it this year, but they can pinpoint it in the offseason and go, okay, well, what do we need to make the power play better for you know 2024, 2025? I think that's the point they're getting at here. They can start to diagnose what position specifically they need. Maybe they pick it up in free agency, through trade, whatever. They can be a little bit more precise with their moves coming up. Um, but yeah, if they did have a even a mediocre power play, they could be contending with the Rangers for, for first in the Metro. As crazy as that is to say, it's kind of true. I can't argue it. I mean, everything else has been good. If you improve one of their massive weaknesses that directly leads to goals, because they're not getting blown out, you know, like, yeah, I, I could see that, especially where they're at now, <clears throat> which is funny when I saw some of Farabee's ice time woes, and it's like, you know where he, what he's been doing this year? He's been scoring some goals. Yeah. You know where the Flyers could really use uh, some power play goals? Maybe they should try him out. Just a, just a look, you know, maybe. I don't know. Seems it would solve both problems, but what do I know? <laughs> uh, here's a comment, another one from Jared, and we'll move on a little bit here. In terms of development alone, is it worth it to sink the entire power play and all four forwards on it to throw Cam York out there repeatedly when he's clearly not ready for it? You want to take that one, Jack? I mean, I think their mindset right now is Torres is going to do whatever he can to try to win. Um, I think he, he York has to play. I think he's at the part in his career – He's just got to play. I don't care if it's on the first pairing or the second pairing. I want to see him get as many opportunities as possible, especially right now when he might be feeling it after that swifty goal he had the other night. Um, he's playing with, I want to see him playing with some confidence still. Um, that being said, for me, when I look at the power play, yes, you could use a better power play quarterback, but, but what the hell is Rocky Thompson doing out there, man? Like I, some of their formations and what they're trying to do, sometimes it looks silly. You know, every now and then they get a tic-tac-toe pass thing going, so I'm not going to put it all on – power play quarterback because we've had power play quarterbacks here in the past. Like Tony D'Angelo, say what you will about him. He was a power play quarterback quarterback and the power play just isn't good. It just isn't. It, it's, it's deeper than that. So, <clears throat> excuse me. I, I'm not exactly the play all the young kids at every position and sink or swim. But when it comes to York and what I expect out of his development, having him see power play time is vital. And this is kind of the season to do it. And I, I would like to see them move things around and not just let them rot out there. 
but nobody's really playing well in the power play right now. So I'm not going to kill anybody about it. I, if he wants to play on the second power play unit for a little bit, I think he should be playing, but it's not something that I'm bothered by too much, at least not yet. Um, it's still, we're still a developing team and a lot of players are developing and this is how they do it. They did try to get Krug kind of for this reason, um, which I, I understand. Uh, but it is what it is. I'm not going to, if you can move somebody out and, br and bring somebody in, like what they were trying to accomplish with Krug, that's one thing. <laughs> when, um, you actually spend assets to bring somebody in, that's like, I'm not a big fan of that. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and I, I, I agree with your comments on York, even though that I don't think on a good team, he should be the PP one quarterback. I think, you know, he's 23 years old. I, I agree with you. I mean, put him out there. See if he can handle it. You know, what 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 damage can you possibly do? This is the year to do it. Totally agree. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm on the same page with you there. And, and obviously, uh, I don't know if – I don't think – I don't know if Rocky Thompson is the guy they need there. Um, guy best known for, you know, what in the fight, Evander Kane who was one of his players on the power play in, in San Jose, uh, wasn't exactly known for his power play goal scoring prowess, prowess as a player. Um, maybe get a guy that gets it a little bit, maybe get a guy who, you know, can, can mix things up when he doesn't necessarily have the proper personnel or, or whatever. Uh, so, yeah, I, I mean, we'll see. I'm not calling for anyone to get fired yet, but there's uh there's a problem there. You know, they, they, the, they can pinpoint problems and, uh, you know, see what you can do to, to fix it. So, yeah, for sure. You, know, you mentioned confidence, Jack, with Cam York. Another player that I kind of wanted to touch on who is extremely confident right now, and that's Travis Sanheim. <laughs> you know, like, if there's anyone, I mean, I, I feel like I owe him an apology, right? Because I was tearing him to shreds during the offseason, right? Like, yep. that, that was only a couple months, a couple months back now. Um, in my defense, he's a completely different player this season. Doesn't look anything like physically, uh, mentally, he's completely different, right? So I just want to say that my criticism at the time was warranted. If I was to be saying those things about him now, I'd be completely off base, right? Now we're watching a completely different player. A player that we've wanted this guy to be for, I don't know, how long has it been now? Seven years? I was over it. I was over him. I was over waiting. And all of a sudden this year, I don't know, maybe it was his name in the trade rumors. Maybe it was Torch sitting him in his hometown. He answered the bell. He'd put the work in in the offseason. And I respect that big time. So uh, if, I, if I do owe an apology, I'll – sit here and say it now. I'm sorry because he looks fantastic this year. Um, and the, the move I want to talk about was the power move that he made to goal against Colorado. I almost jumped out of my seat because I'm, who is this guy? He's possessed. Right. And I thought it was funny because Tortorella even mentioned that move after the game during his uh, post game press conference. He said, something to the tune of you would have never seen Travis Sanheim do something like that last year. And what stuck out to me was he's a confident player. That's a move that confident players make, you know, and they don't even think about doing it. They just do it. And uh, 
you know, we're watching a confident hockey player. And when you have the tools, when you have the talent that a player like Travis Sanheim has, a confident player with those skills can be a dangerous player. And we're seeing that. Yeah, Sandheim's been night and day, but don't be too hard on yourself there. I mean, we we Monday morning quarterback this, so you had every right to say what you said. Uh, the team had a done deal for him. Tori mm-hmm. Krug's the only reason he's still here, so you weren't the only one who had issues. That being said, we're, we were married to this guy due to the Fletcher contract, and you know what? Sometimes things just tend to work out. And so far, so good, I'd say, this season. Can't be too upset. But, yes, you can see what a player can do when they're playing with confidence. They start to play the way that got them noticed and drafted. And if it can happen to Sandheim, it can happen to York. And we're also talking about defensemen here. If any position besides, I guess, goaltending takes a while to develop, it's defensemen. I can even say that to Sean Walker, who's 29, you know, as an example, too. Like, this is not that uncommon that these guys figure, you know, their niche out and create a nice <clears throat> role for themselves in a league. And in Sandheim's um, case, like he was a guy who was always sold as an offensive, you know, two way forward, but he had the offensive ability and he would jump in on plays. So yes, it's great to see what it's more so the fact that he even, I know the skills there. They'd even attempted it because you, like you said, that ain't happened in next last year. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh, not at all. So, Jim, I would have said the same thing you did. I, I'm typically, a, as much as I need a sample size for somebody to be good, I need that same sample size for them to be bad. We had enough to be like, yo, what's going on with this guy? So t- I'll take the turnaround. 10 pounds of muscle means the world. <laughs> Apparently that's all it was, right? Um, you're right, though. I mean, it's 28 games, but compared to the 400-plus games that he played before that, it's a minuscule sample size. Can he do it for 82 games? Can he do it for back-to-back seasons? We'll see, right? And, and maybe uh, my apology ends up being premature. I hope not because I, I hope this is the real Travis Sanheim. Um, you know, I'm looking at last season's numbers here, 23 points, 81 games, uh, only 16 assists. Already he's got 21 points in 28 games, 17 assists uh, on pace for a career year, and uh, we're not even halfway through. The season, so I hope that continues. His his ice time, he was hitting 26 minutes at one point. It's come down to about 25 and a half. So I do think over the course of the season, uh, they may have to continue managing his ice time. Uh, he might lose his legs at some point playing that those kind of minutes. He never played. Uh, he never averaged more than uh, 23 minutes a game, and that was two years ago, uh, first season. So. Something to pay attention to there. You know, they might have to dole out some of that ice time, spread it around a little bit. Uh, We have a comment from Ant DeGrazio. Ant, thanks for tuning in, pal. Uh, We held him to a high standard, and this is about Travis Sanheim. We knew the skill was there. We just never saw it. The criticism was 100% warranted. And that kind of echoes what you were saying, right, Jack? We all saw it. (laughs) The whole team deserved criticism outside of what, TK? Yep, it's true. Uh... Here we go. Oh, so we have a comment from Oakham's Razor about Mark Recchi and the power play. And I got to see if this is legit here. I'm going to trust Oakham. He's usually pretty on the ball. Mark Recchi would be a very good power play coach. He got the devil's PP clicking. He's he's somewhere else right now, isn't he? Is he in Columbus? I can't remember. He's so hard to keep track of. It's like his actual NHL career. He's all over the place. He is. He's a, he, And he's all over the Metro. I want to say he's in Columbus. I'd have to go double check that. Just trying um, to look it up for you. 
Yeah, but former flyer. You know what? While we're on that, you mentioned Craig Berube got fired earlier from from the Blues, and you know it's funny. I feel like everywhere if if Kevin Hayes gets traded to your team and you're the coach, you should be worried. I guess <laughs> <laughs> um, the guys go through. He's gone through more coaches in the last three four years than I don't know. Than, it's than a lot guys. of former Flyers who've you know dealt with that. Yeah, they're coach killers, man. Joe K chiming in. Yeah, Recky's in Columbus. Okay, thanks, Joe. Yep. Yes. Yeah, thanks for hanging out with us, Joe. I think that might be the first time I've seen you in here. Hopefully, you, uh, you hang out with us more often. Thank you. So, um, yeah, where was I going with that? Okay, so Barubi got fired. And the reason why this could be significant is um, we've heard that he's still popular amongst uh, some of the, the, the Flyers' brass and, and the management and whatnot. Um, some people were actually upset when, when Hextall fired him as coach of the Flyers, uh, however many years ago now. I'm wondering if he can stay out of coaching long enough, if he's the guy that takes the reins over from Torts when this is all over. Because as much as I just can't see Torts going beyond his four years here, like I, I don't think he gets a sort of an extension. I don't think he even would want to be extended. Just my opinion, my assumption. If Barubi can stay out of coaching for the next two years, would you consider him as the next coach of the Flyers and potentially be the guy that takes them to a cup? There's a lot of factors with that question there. But that being said, I think a lot of people, including myself, this Tortorella thing seems as good as they're playing, still seems like a building block. And I can still see him with the organization in some way after his time has come as the Flyers head coach. Um, to which case, if Brew's available, oh my God, a guy that they love who's played for the team that has a cup on, on his resume, of course. That would make perfect sense. Mm -hmm. um, a team that plays heavy, that plays hard, that can last into the playoffs is exactly what you want. I mean, that that Blues team played a hell of a Bruins team and won in seven games, for God's sake. I mean, when you check have check boxes for what – when you're ready to win, you're really ready to get to that next level and win for a coach that you want, I think Ruby checks all those boxes. Veteran, he's a veteran player, respect, co veteran coach, Stanley Cup resume. And just the way he coached, even the first time he was here, he didn't take any shit, even from the media, you know, kind of like Tortorella, but he wasn't as crazy as Tortorella, you know, and he's got the pedigree. So, of course. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. He might be. So I've always kind of noticed the trend, right, with coaches where one coach, they'll go all the way one side. It'll, it'll be a guy that the players hate. But he'll, you know, change the culture. He'll he'll get everybody going. Kind of what Torts is doing now. And the next coach will be more of a player's coach. And more times than not, I think, is the player's coach is the one that usually takes him over the top. Right? It's a guy that everybody loves playing for. He's a breath of fresh air. Everybody loves him. Like, it. that's Chief. That's Barubi. Everybody loves Barubi. We have a comment from uh, Anthony here. Chris Terrian said he wouldn't be surprised if the Flyers gave him some sort of role. Briere loves Chief, he said. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly exactly what we heard. Please. Uh, yeah. Briere's a big fan. So maybe they bring him in and he's part of the Flyers organization. The hey, how's, how's he with the power play? <laughs> yeah. Um, one more here from it. I think Torts even deserves a role after having uh, having to be the guy helped during the rebuild. He should get a front row seat. I agree. I agree. And, and that would be the storybook, right? If they could keep Torts around and, you know, bring Barubi in and kind of hand the reins over to Barubi after Torts is out of here. And this is down the road and whatnot, but 
Yeah, it would be interesting. And then Brindamore comes up too. Just bring them all in. It's going to be the real dream team. Not that <laughs> yeah. BS we got a couple of years ago. It's the real dream team. Get them yeah. all. Come on. So some interesting stuff there, stuff to keep in mind, maybe a little food for thought and whatnot. We'll see. Uh, but everything would kind of come full circle, you know, because that's kind of where the BS started when they, when they, uh, you know, I don't think Baruby didn't have the same reputation when he was here, obviously. Um, but, it, you know, things would kind of come full circle because they, they let him go. People were upset that he got let go. Goes out, wins a cup, uh, comes back, flyers are good again, and maybe something happens here. Who knows? I'll restart that show if that happens. Full circle. There you go. <laughs> Another good comment here from Joe K. Craig Berube or Brad Shaw, if and when Torts decides to step down years later. So I to hope be, that they can keep Brad Shaw around. I know. To be honest, I think both guys will have good jobs elsewhere before that happens. Yeah. I it's just, I can see Berube sitting at a year, but much more than that's. I, that seems like a lot, unless he gets some kind of role here. But even then, like what you're going to stay like behind the scenes or something, you're not going to be an assistant coach. You know, you're not going to do that. You have too much pedigree. He can sit around and probably get hired. Bradshaw, I think teams were already asking for him last year. Yeah. Now after the Flyers have looked this year, come on. Yeah, I think, uh, unfortunately, I, I agree. Bradshaw, this might be it for him. And they're playing even better uh, this year. So, unfortunately, I would love Otherwise, for him to I agree. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say otherwise I totally agree. Like, but that's unfortunate. We don't have the uh you know, it's not gonna no. work out that way. For sure. All right, let's move along just a little bit more here. Um, so another player I wanted to talk about, Jack, and I don't know I'm not sure if he's getting enough credit for what he's doing right now. And that's Sean Couturier. And it might sound a little like what are you talking about, Sean Couturier? Like he's he's definitely not underrated. So I don't want to make it sound like that. But the guy went through two back surgeries, like significant ones, maybe more significant than we know. And I mean, I didn't think he was ever going to play again. Right. You remember those days? And we heard a lot of things. Here he is 26 games into the season. He's played 26 games out of 28. Remember, he did sit for a couple. Seven goals, 14 assists for 21 points. And he's plus eight, Jack. Picking up right where he left off before his injuries. And this is not, you know, just a, a wrist injury or what. This is two major back surgeries. And he hasn't missed a beat. And not that we're taking him for granted, but I feel like he deserves a lot of credit for the way this team's playing this year. He, like, he deserves you know, uh, way more accolades and maybe we're giving him, I, cause I think we just expect it from him at this point to be the player that he is, but I'm a little bit amazed, I think by what we're seeing from Coots. You know what I mean? You know what other word starts with, uh, I'm sorry. Yeah. It starts with a C besides credit captain. <laughs> I feel like this is, I know you guys, people scream at me about lots and whatnot, but it's Coots' team. Also starts with a C. You know, I mean, what you just said right there. Like, he didn't play last year. TK was great last year. Hayes was even good last year. That team was horrendous. You know, he's what makes that team go. He's a true MVP. He plays in any, every facet of the game. He could be used in any situation. His only issue is his back, really, because there are mysteries. Who knows when that could flare up or whatever the hell. Hopefully, God forbid, knock on wood, it doesn't. Uh, but he's, he's the guy, and I think he's showing that. He's speaks for the team. He's picked up right where he left off. Like you said, he signed long-term. 
I mean, it, it all makes sense to me. And he, he, when I think of the Flyers, like he's one of the first people I think of, especially now that he's back full time. I mean, his ice time is the same. His numbers are just as good. Like everything's days, there. That's it. A few maintenance days. That's it. You know, yeah. like he had that scare at the beginning of the season. It's like, oh God, two games in, he's sitting already. He ended up playing. <laughs> what more can you ask for? I, you really can't ask for. I mean, just stay healthy, right? Like that's that's it. Yeah. That's going into the season. That's all I was hoping for. Like, man, like maybe shelter this guy a little bit. You know, don't put him in crappy situations. No, he's out there playing the same minutes that he was before, putting up the same numbers. Uh, only thing that's taken a dip is his faceoff percentage. He's career fifty-one point nine percent, and in the I don't know six or seven years leading up to this year, he was above. Uh, 55, 56, 57, 59%. This year he's 49.7. So that has dipped a little bit. Still a lot of time to improve that. Um, but Sean Couturier, I just wanted to bring him up. Uh, oh, Joe actually mentioned the face-off percentage. So, man, we got some knowledgeable viewers, huh? Guys, you guys that, don't miss a beat. That we do. That's that's good stuff right there. Um, Another one from Ant Couturier and Sandheim like are making Chuck Fletcher look like he knew what he was doing. I don't want to talk about Mr. Magoo like that. <laughs> I see. Oh, to be fair, the Coots contract, we I think most either you were for it or against it. I was for it. Like he was your guy. You got a discount. Just had to have the years. You're not going to trade him. You're not going to let him walk. However, Sandheim was weird. I think Santa was weird because we had, you know, come out and been like, we're going to evaluate the team. <laughs> yeah. He went to, yeah. Are you sure he went? And, you know, his daddy didn't buy him that piece of paper that says he went. His yeah. daddy did a lot for him. Um, you made me lose my train of thought. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> you were trashing Chuck Fletcher. Well, I'm always trashing Fl Chuck Fletcher. Let's be real now. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're going to evaluate the team. Before we make any decisions, that was like torts on like October 1st and then eight year deal sand high on like November 1st. It's like, okay, <laughs> you know, like the, so much for evaluating, but, right. um, you know, we'll see in the long run, but I'll take it. I'll take it for now. Whatever. I don't have to worry about them. So <laughs> just make it just make we're owed. If anything, I mean, yeah, yeah. he traded for tip at two technically. So <laughs> true. I mean, and, uh, you want to compare. The list on one side is longer than the other by a long margin, but yeah, I'll, I'll give him credit where credit is due. I feel like we're going to have to have a Chuck Fletcher conversation. In the the best thing something. Chuck Fletcher did was bring the, oh, of course, I'm going to forget his name, the draft guy with him because we still have him. Dave and Flair? I, Dave Flair. Uh, is it Dave? Is it Brent? Brent Flair. Brent, Brent Flair. Brent Flair. I yeah. Dave Flair. Who is, uh, I think Dave it's Rick, Flair? Rick Flair's son or something. Um, <laughs> So, yeah, so, like, I, I've really liked what he's done with the draft. Oliver Bonk making Team Canada, you know, like, that was one of his – you know it. You know it. I, I just like how he prepares for the draft. I like how they've played the draft. I know a lot of that is GM, which – but, come on, this is your guy. I think he's got a similar list to what most pungents have. I think he knows what he's doing. I don't, I'm not saying he's a guru, but I think we're in good hands. So, kudos to Brent Flair. <laughs> I like Screw how you wrap Chuck that up Fletcher. there. <laughs> Screw Chuck Fletcher. Uh, you mentioned Oliver Bonk, and he did make the Team Canada World Junior Team. Uh, it was announced, I think, about an hour before our show. So good stuff for the Flyers' number 22 overall pick in the 2023 draft. I keep forgetting that we drafted him in the, the Flyers drafted him in the first round. Right. Um, 
Six goals, 24 assists for 30 points in 28 games for the London Knights of the OHL. Uh, so congratulations, Oliver Bonk, the Flyers. I mean, we'll have a vested interest in watching Team Canada this year. Um, and Denver Barkey was left off the list, unfortunately, so he will not participate in the World Junior Classic. I think he was one of the younger players on the team, so he'll have another chance for that next season. He's only 18 years old, so he'll get he'll get another shot. He's a third-round pick for the Flyers from the 2023 draft. 41 points in 28 games, also for the London Knights of the OHL. So congratulations, Oliver Bonk, Denver Barkey. Better luck next year. So, <laughs> um, you know, speaking of prospects, we're about 40 minutes in here, Jack, and I don't know what it – maybe something was in the water last week or what, but the Flyers start to play good and, you know, players that we want to see play well start to play well. And all of a sudden, we start to see some crazy player comps, right? <laughs> and um, it, it pisses me off, if I can just be frank. And I'm going to tell you why. Don't, don't compare yourself to somebody. Just be Jim. It's, <laughs> it's, it's unfair to the player when you compare him to a guy that's on another planet skill-wise. Right. And I'll start with this one first. I'm not sure exactly what the tweet was. I don't remember. It was sometime last week. But it had Cam York and Kale McCarr and Adam Fox, I even think, all in the same sentence. And to put two Norris Trophy winning defensemen in the same tweet or comp to Cam York. It's just unfair to Cam York. That's why it pisses me off. Because Cam York is not anywhere near those players. Right? Cal McCarr scored 28 goals in one season. York can't Cam even York, run a power play yet. Cam York might not score 28 goals in the next five years. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's not a knock on York. It's just that Cal McCarr is on a in another stratosphere. This guy was a point per game as a defenseman, right? And, you know, <laughs> I get that Cam York had a really pretty goal, and it should have been saved, to be quite honest with you. It shouldn't – I mean, that shouldn't have been a goal. It, it was a pretty weak goal, but it was a very pretty – you know, it, it was a couple nice moves, right? The guy was uh, – sorry, what was my – what was I going to say there? It was It was a nice move, right? It was a pretty play. Goal sneaks by the goalie, puck sneaks by the goalie. All of a sudden, you know, it's the, you know, the Twitter highlight, yada, yada. If he doesn't score that, I'm not sure it, it is what it was. Ken York's a fine player. Uh, my, my opinion hasn't changed on him because of one highlight play. I think that's silly. He's, it, I, I've said it on the show and it's not a knock. I'm not knocking Cam York when I say he's a very, excuse me, he's a very good second pair guy. With offensive upside, where's the negative in that, Jack? Right? So when you compare him to a Cam York or Adam Fox, you know, you know, maybe you're getting everybody rallied up on, on Flyers Twitter because, you know, you want likes and clicks, or maybe you want to make yourself look like, I'm not sure. But you're doing a disservice to Cam York because when he's not putting up 15, 20 goals, people are going to say, this kid's a bust, Right? This guy's nowhere near near Cam Kale McCarr. And so 
I hope that doesn't happen. I hope that they go back to the guy that made the comp and it's like, dude, what the hell are you talking about? You know? So I, and that's all. It just, it irks me. And then not even a couple days later, and I just want to say that, Dan, if you're listening, I love you. This is not a personal thing. It's something that you said. That I, So let me see if I can find the tweet here for Dan, because I, I actually really, actually really like Dan. I'm not trying to pick on him or anything. Most people really like Dan, including myself. Yeah. Let me see here. So the tweet was in reference to Cutter Gautier. And I think it was actually Anthony that was asking for a player comp. See what you did, Ant? Yeah. Whole <laughs> we can worms. blame Anthony for this one. That's what Russ Cohen told us last week. I hate player comps for many of the reasons you're giving now, Jimmy. And that can of worms has been opened up now. Look. So, he, so here, here it is. So Anthony asked, what is the Gautier expectation? Who is an NHL comparable? And that's perfectly fair question, right? And here's Dan's response. And I, I wanted to read the response because I'm not trying to be misleading on here. Dan asks, in no, or Dan says, in no way am I comparing their upsides, all right? So he says it right off the bat. And he's nowhere near as physical and has to get better at going to the dirty areas for the NHL. But purely looking at his explosive skating stride, athletic profile, and incredible shot, those three parts of Carter's game reminds me of Eric Lindros. The guy who's supposed to be better than Gretzky when he was coming out. And, like, I'm a little speechless. And I, I posted a poll on Twitter. So let me, let me look up the results of the poll real quick here. Um, because I, I think I lied and I said that there's no wrong answer. I just wanted people to vote on the poll. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're listening to the show, so the poll got 120 votes and here's the poll for the people projecting Gauthier to be a top line NHL stud. Have you watched any Cutter Gauthier games this season or just highlights and goal totals totals? And the two choices were, yes, I've watched BC games and just highlights and stats. Yes, I've watched BC games got 36.7% of the vote, which means 63.3% of 120 people only watch highlights and stats. You see how that can be a little misleading, Jack? Because um, if you're yeah. only if you're only watching Gauthier's highlights and stats, which his highlights are very good, right? Like this kid's got a shot. You'll see him, you know, barreling down the ice with the puck. Two-on-ones, he's shooting every time. He's not passing. Um, you'll see him look for space without the puck, put himself in prime scoring positions. Um, he does those things. But when I watch him, there's no way in hell uh, that I see any semblance, any resemblance of Eric Lindros in any fashion when I watch Cutter Gauthier. And that's not to call Gauthier a bad player, but you can see how I even have to say that. I have to defend him just by comparing him in any way to Eric Lindros. You know what I mean? Because now, like, this is what we have to remember. There are people that he's a very smart guy. When you compare one of the Flyers' top prospects and one of their better prospects in the last however many years to 
arguably, well, in my opinion, the most talented player in franchise history. You can do you see how you're doing a disservice to Carter Gauthier? Because he's not that. He's a, a fifth overall pick who the Flyers maybe at the time reached for in a weak draft. And we're comparing him to Eric Lindros. Not directly, but some attributes. Um, and there could be confusion there. Do you, do you see? Do you, do you see where I'm coming from, Jack? Oh, absolutely. And that's so, why most people don't it, like it. It doesn't do. It's a disservice to the player. But like for me, the one thing that jumped out at me right away was it wasn't like oh he reminds me of Lindros and then here's why it was like these aspects remind me of Lindros and unless it's like something that the player does that's quirky. Like when you, when I watched Tim Thomas play goal, the way he played goal, the only way to describe it was really Dominic Hasek. And I mean, the results weren't exactly the same, but it's Tim Thomas was pretty good, but he would literally flail in net for no reason. I've seen the puck go around the net and he does this like twirl spin shot. Never even comes on goal. Like I only person I've ever seen act remotely anywhere near that flopping around out of position was Dominic Hasek. <clears throat> Or, for example, if I saw a player constantly take wrist shots and lean into it and lift the wrong foot, like you're taught to lean on one foot and lift the other, that would be Phil Kessel. Phil Kessel, you can see, has always lifted the wrong leg when he leaned into his shot. Like coaches would probably rip into him if he wasn't so successful at what he did, thinking more of his Toronto days. You know, like that's quirky. That's something that's like, yeah, that reminds me of this player. Otherwise, there's a thousand other players you could pick that have similar attributes, especially when you're not considering the entire player profile, certain aspects of it. So it's almost like you're trying for clicks at that point. Not that he needs any, but like, why are you picking such a great grand defenseman saying, oh, he reminds me of this or this of that reminds me of that. It only sets the bar way too high. And because of our cat of our uh, drafting situation and how good the team's doing this year and our, some of our prospect pool, it's putting a lot on Gautier. Thank God we got Michkov. But if we didn't have Michkov offensively, Gautier is our number one guy we're looking at. You know, and so now you're you're setting these expectations in a way of Lindros. It's like guy went, guy did drop to uh, to six for a reason. You know, sure. Hopefully we got lucky, but um, there's no scenario where this does any good outside of starting conversation where a lot of people are like eye rolling because of the names used. So it's been a while since I've watched Simone Gagne and Gagne is listed as a, a wing. Um, Gagne is, is light years better defensively than Carter Gauthier was. But if, if you were looking for an offensive comp, Gagne might not be a terrible one. Why did we have to go Lindros? Like, why did we have to do it? Like, not, it's nowhere close to whatever. Like, it's just not in they're not even remotely close to the way that they play hockey. They're just not. And that's why I had to ask, do we watch Cutter Gautier or do we just watch highlights and stats? And and I'm gonna say this. I've watched Cutter Gautier this year, and I think I've even said it in the group chat, Jack, right? Like I am unimpressed a lot of the time when I watch Cutter Gautier. The times that I am impressed are when he does a hot, you know, when he scores or when he does something along the wall, things like that. 
when I watch him, I don't see a top line guy. So when I see when I see comps to anything Eric Lindros, I, I, my mind is blown because it's like, wait a second, do we watch this kid play or what? Do you know what I mean? And and here's one from Dan. I think a comp would be Rick Nash, and and that's even that's even closer to to Cutter Gauthier. I don't know. I I was just turned off a little bit, and um, obviously. I don't like to use the word, but I was a little triggered. Like, what are we doing here? We're comparing York to Cal McCarr and that one's really Eric Lindros. I mean, Lindros, guys, it's get. I don't know. I don't know. People don't think can't think of a better, especially when it's almost like a cop out when you're like, well, these aspects, not the whole player. You're still name dropping. You know what I mean? And that that's what doesn't do anybody any good. But the the York and McCarr things outrageous. Yeah, like I just I cannot believe that. Like the car is like one of the best offensive, I mean, total defensive we've seen in like quite some time. <laughs> like it's, it's un, uncanny. Well, it's ridiculous. Well, it's just like the, the one thing that Cam York did, Cal McCarr does almost every shift. Do you know what I'm saying? So I just have to wonder like, okay, do you not watch Cal McCarr? Do you not remember Lindros? Do you actually watch Gautier? Like Gautier to me looks like a second line player a lot of the time, which is also perfectly fine. You know, it's is are people going to be disappointed at, about that because he was a fifth overall pick? I think we have to remember fifth overall pick in a weak draft, right? And that's why I'm like, you know, comparing him to players that he's can't even sniff their can't even tie their skates is doing even more disservice to the to the prospect. Because he will never, ever live up to that comp. Yeah, and they're not even the same position. I know they're trying with uh, Gautier at center, but he's a natural winger. Uh, yeah. Lindros is a, <laughs> the top line, first line, all Canada center. Like, yeah. it's 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 just it's a reach. It's a reach for no reason other than name that value and recognition. Yeah, so I, that's all I'm saying. You know, I, I'm not I'm not personally attacking anybody. I'm just saying, you know, let's. I don't know, uh, be a little more responsible or especially if you have a following, right? If, if you're just screaming into the void, it's fine. But if people look to you, if they go to your account for like legit hockey information because they like your insight, I don't know, find a, another comp. Like think of the prospect first, you know, not necessarily your post, I guess. So I'll wrap up with that. I don't want to spend too much time. We have other topics here. Um, what else do we got, Jack? Uh, did we mention Barky and Bonk? Yeah, we did. Bonk, Barky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. Bonk, Barky, uh, Booyam climbing up draft rankings. I'm, we won't have to touch on him too much tonight because we've talked about him, I feel like, the last couple shows, but flying uh, up the draft rankings. Jim's got his new Ryan Leonard, everybody. Look alive. <laughs> Ryan Leonard uh, on defense. Tate. Tate Borst, who I'm sorry, I have to look up. I think it's Rex Scouting he's in. He put out his draft, uh, his 2024 draft rankings today. You know where he had Booyam ranked? Two. Number number four. Oh. Which Jimmy. this guy wasn't even – this guy was like a middle-of-the-pack late first-round pick just two months ago and when certain somebody I know noticed him. All of a sudden, people got him in their top five, top ten. So, yeah, interesting. How about that? And you know, like a, a good player comp for him would be Bobby Orr. Bobby Orr, babe. I was just, just gonna <laughs> <I'm> I swear <laughs> I was gonna ask you for a player comp and you jumped all over it. 
and he nailed oh, it. Man. He nailed I it. Kid, yeah. I kid. Just the way he skates, shoots, and scores. That just those aspects. Yeah. Uh, but I digress a little bit. Okay. Um, so we talked about sticking to the plan. Uh, did we want to touch on uh, this this Nick Cousins and uh, Eric Bronson incident? I mean, it's somewhat flyer related. Cousins used to play for the Flyers. I don't know if you guys saw the hit. It just looked like he was definitely he, – he never tried to hit him properly. He was coming in from behind the whole way, and it looked a little dangerous how low Branson's head was, and it hit the uh, the boards. Cousins gets two minutes for boarding. That's it. So, all right, what is what it is? Well, this is why players sometimes still police the games. And Branson's coming up on Cousins entering the zone, coming along the boards. He doesn't even try to hit him. He gets in close, the gloves go flying off, and he just attacks him. And uh, Cousins just, you know, turtles up. And <laughs> just going to town. i be honest with you, I loved it. I loved every second of it. You know, I the, uh, the, the referees, I know it's a tough sport, it's fast, but overall body of work, it's bad. <laughs> it's pretty bad. <laughs> they're not consistent. Players get hurt all the time, and they're not protected, and sometimes they are. Other times... They're throwing. They're giving everybody on the ice ten minute game of conduct. I turn the highlights of that game on. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be like Flyers Ottawa, like oh three, right? No, it was like a scuffle where some fists were thrown. I was like, that's just what? And then something serious happens, and they get off, you know, easy. So I get it. Sometimes you gotta police yourself. I, Jim, no joke. I we've done this. I've done this in hockey for me. I'm like, if you don't call this guy. I'm going to have to do something because I'm not getting hurt. I have to go to work tomorrow. Like, you know, my <laughs> friends, they have to go to work tomorrow. So if you're not going to call anything, you're going to call something on me and I'm going to make it worth my while. And it's, it's, I don't, I love it. I don't blame him at all. Take care of business. I mean, the only, I don't remember what the score was. I guess typically you don't want to put your team in a really bad spot. But at the same time, you have to have self-respect for yourself and you represent your team. I mean, yeah, it's really that simple. Did uh so the initial hit? Did you see the initial hit on Bronson from Cousins? Yeah, it was the boarding. The boarding they yeah. called. It, it looked. It looked like he. It could have been a little. He only got two a, minutes for that. I think he did. He only. I mean, that's what I'm saying. That's why Bronson's like, are you serious? Like, yeah. it's, it's. I mean, he was probably gonna you know mess him up anyway later in the game, but that just adds fuel to the fire. He's like, oh, he's only getting two minutes for that. Well, if I just beat the piss out of him right here, I. What's the worst that can happen to me, you know? And yeah, that's policing yourself. Players used to police the game all the time, and obviously the, the leagues try to take that out every chance they get with the fighting and the rules and the hits and all that. Well, Cabranson said, "Screw that! <laughs> like, you're not going to call the game right. You're going to screw me over. Let that happen to me. He should be out of the game. You put down a ten misconduct game. Excuse me, ten minute game misconduct. That attack doesn't happen. So yeah, I would agree." I'm totally on your side with this. Um, I did see the hit. I was shocked. It was only two minutes. It looked not great. Like if that's a hit on, I don't Behind know, him the whole time, never yeah. tried to. Yep. If, if that's a hit on Panarin or, you know, one of the star guys, that's probably five minutes in a game misconduct, something like that. Like if that's good, Bronson putting the hit on Panarin or whoever. Um, or cousins. Since, <laughs> right. Yeah. Since it's cousins hitting good Bronson, somehow it's only two. Uh, and when I, you know, I saw, I think Bronson got him back and then jumped him, right? It, well, uh, he started to go hit him. It looked like to play him off the puck or hit him. And before he even made contact, the, the gloves were coming off. And he yeah. just uh, jumped him. I'm I'm good with that. You know, it doesn't, <laughs> I guess if you're like a casual fan or whatever, maybe it doesn't look great. 
but uh yeah i'm i'm for that too yes when i first that, that's what blows my mind too when i first started watching hockey i loved that shit like yeah. you know i'm getting into it i'm a little kid you're into a lot of things no that was something that drew my attention to the game these pansies now <laughs> come on yeah that's great yeah, that was uh I mean if, especially if you're playing for the Blue Jackets too. And Gabronson's usually the guy that's gonna do that for somebody else. So, you know, you kinda maybe you felt like he had to do it for for himself. So yeah, good for him. Uh, yeah, almost got his, I mean, boarding's yeah. a very dangerous penalty. So oh, yeah. if people are getting off light and he goes behind the boards lies the defenseman retrieving the puck, you know, maybe you do this to me, this is what's gonna happen because one, the refs didn't do anything, and two, I could have been seriously hurt. He really could have. So, I mean, yeah, so it's another reason. You know, so it don't happen again next time. Next asshole comes along. Absolutely agree. Uh, anything, any topics we missed tonight, Jack, that you wanted to touch on before we wrap up? Um, I think that's it. I think if we're at, if we're over an hour, there's no point in getting insane. The other discussions I've had are just too long. Too much to get into. We'll save them for a future show then. Uh, We're going to wrap up. I want to thank everyone that hung out in the chat. Dave, Jared, Anthony, Oakham, Joe K. And I think that's it. I hope to see – oh, Dan, sorry. Hope to see all you guys again next week. The Flyers play the Washington Capitals Thursday night, and I believe they play the Detroit Red Wings on Saturday. So uh, who knows? Maybe we're talking about points uh, in uh, eight straight come Monday or Tuesday, whenever we record again next. So for Jack, I'm Jim. Everybody enjoy the rest of your week. Let's go Flyers. Flyers.